If we haven't met, my name is Dan. I serve as the, the pastor here. As well, if you're online right now, you've clicked in, and we're just glad to have you if this is your first time. I hope it's a, a positive experience. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to wonder how this series is going for you, how it's working. If you're, if you're brand new and you're like, I don't know what I, to do with this, basically, we're doing a series called, through the book of Acts, and we've learned something about this. It's not just coming to a Sunday service that we receive everything, because I know you don't eat just one time a week, do you? Just like, you know what? I'm just going to have one meal, and I'm good for the week. No, you're going to be, if you ate lunch, you're going to be hungry for dinner. The reality is we got to learn to grow and, and feed ourselves, and what's what works really great is we gather here, uh, and then also we, we pick up these growth guides, and there's some in the back. It's also online. You can go to the Unstoppable landing page on our website that you under Grow. You can click with that, but it's been working really good. So what's happening, a lot of times we show up. This is kind of traditional. You show up to church, and we're like, I wonder what it's going to be about. You can actually show up and form today because you read some of the Bible during the week of what we talk about on Sunday. So you come going, huh, I wonder how Dan's going to put a spin on this one. How's this, what is he, what did God do you have for us? And so this last week, hopefully you read through Acts 14 through 16. Next week, we're already, you know, a little bit past the halfway point in the series. We're going, reading Acts 17 through 19. So just start reading it. You can write some thoughts in there in the book. And, and then you, next week you show up going, oh, I wonder what we're going to hit on. And then in the middle of the week, as Stacy mentioned, there's groups that are discussing this. And so you're, you're getting it here, you're growing here, you're learning it. And pretty soon you're like, oh, I think actually this applies to my, my life. And I start living it. You're going, now it's working, it's making sense. It should be that way, right? That's how we grow as followers of Jesus. And so we're hoping that this is helpful for you. Love to get the feedback. We also do a video on, on, on Mondays. I put out just a little encouragement video on our Facebook page. And today, as you're here, you have the physical notes, the little folder that Stacy mentioned. But also, you can grab the, the notes digitally. And so you can actually right now put up to your phone the, the camera and put it up to the screen if you're here. And you can grab them in. Or you can fill them in. They, you can save those notes for another time because some of us are just... We don't write stuff down anymore. We just have it right here, and that's a great, convenient way to do that. You know, of course, online, you can grab those at notes, uh, note.ctk.church. Now, I say all that really fast to make sure you got that, but we've been going through the, the first few chapters of Acts. What you discover this is just a miraculous thing that happens. God is at incredible work in what he does, and people are coming to Jesus, and people are healed, and miraculous people are rescued from prisons, and, and in, despite all the persecution, everything. But then in this glorious story, there's glitches. And there always is. There's always along the lines is because what you find is that all the, the miracles and all the, all the supernatural stuff that's happening, God is using people just like us. Those people back then were no different than, than us today. And what you find is it's, there's challenges along the way. What happens is this, is that there's, a, there's glitches because there's a maturity of an organization that movements happen. And, and, and so sometimes along the way, there's, there's hiccups that happen. And you, you come to the conclusion, like a lot of things you start new, is when the honeymoon is over. Now, if you're married and you're married now, and, and, and do, you, do you remember when the honeymoon was over for you? Okay? Do you remember that? And you, I actually, my wife and I remember when the honeymoon was over before the honeymoon was over. We didn't get home from the honeymoon and the honeymoon was over. We had our first argument on the way home. 
And I, I know exactly where it was. We were crossing the Chehalis River. We were just coming back from a week of, beautiful week at the Oregon coast. And we're coming across and, and about Lacey, Washington. I remember where it was. And I asked the question. And the question was this. You think you're covering all the premarials and everything you study and everything. I said, hey, who's doing the cooking thing? She goes, well, I don't know. What do you think? And I said, well, then I went with it. I said, well, what if it was like an 80%, 20% thing? 80, 20. She goes, that's fine if you want to do 80% of the cooking. <laughs> and then I asked this question. This is worse. I said, well, no, I go, oh, I make this sip. I said, wait a second. Wait a second. I'm the one working in a full-time job. You're not working. Holy cow. Honeymoon was over. That was our first fight. Honeymoon was over. And, and we're still together, and, and we, that wasn't our first fight. No, it was our first one. It wasn't our last fight. And, and so honeymoon phases, right? In relationships and marriage and new job, you had a honeymoon with your new phone until you cracked it. You had, a, you had a honeymoon with, your, with, your, with your, your car, your brand new car that smelled new. Remember those days? I never owned a new car because I, I didn't want it. It was intimidating because I was going to spill something. And it's usually your kids, a milkshake in the back seat. You never can get out that smell. And so all that to say, there's just newness that happens. And along the way, in relationships, well, it, it's what they talk about in the storm and times you go through. It, it, you, you're working through what they call the messy metal. And so today we're going to talk about the messy middle. Get past the newness, get past the relationship, because a lot of times I find is people don't, people won't move on to relationship to relationship, to job to job, to new thing to new thing, and never work through relationship. They never work through the messiness to get on the other side. And what you find in scripture and in the, you look at the early church is, yes, this is an unstoppable mission that Jesus is going through. It's a movement that's happening, but even in the best Jesus movements, there's complications that happen along the way. And we get to, or this last week we read in Acts 15, you discover something. As we talked last week, there was this glitch that happened where people that weren't of Jewish faith were coming to faith in Jesus. And the Jewish people are going, don't they need to be Jewish to become, to know Jesus? No, they don't have to. But then you think that, okay, we're good, we moved on. No, not quite. Because then they go, well, you don't have to be Jewish, but they, you know, inheritance, but they do need to like do Jewish things to to follow Jesus. And so they have this meeting in, in the Council of Jerusalem in Acts 15, and they come to the conclusion, no. They, you don't have to do They just need to come to Jesus. And with that, though, they, they gave some guidelines and some rules that would go with it, like do whatever you want. No, there's some things. And so they came to a place. They kind of met in the messy middle, and they worked this thing out. And it was great. Now, that works really good for rules, but, it, but when it comes to tension and relationships, it's a whole other level because really everything flows out of relationships. And what we find is at the end of Acts 15, there's two guys, two famous guys in Scripture that had it out. They weren't getting along. There, there, was, there was a heated conversation that took place. And so I want to jump into a text this morning that we're going to look at. And as we do, also here toward the end of the service, we're going to have a time in communion together. So if you're watching online, you might want to grab your crackers and juice and get ready for us, and we have it here that we'll do. But before that, it says this in verse 36. It says, after some days, Paul says to Barnabas, 
Let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaim the word of the Lord and sent how they are, see how they are. And basically, they, they'd gone a first missionary journey that we read about. Now they're getting ready for another one. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Paphophilia and have not, uh, has not gone with them to the work. And then arose a sharp disagreement. So they separated from each other, and Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus. But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers by the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Now you read that, you're going, what's the big deal, Paul? Why do you want to leave out John, John called Mark out? I don't know why he's not just called John or Mark, but anyway, it's John called Mark. There's a reason for that, okay? But why, why leave John Mark out? What, what's the big deal? What, why, what's your thing? Well, what we know about John Mark is this. He's a son of a woman named Mary that we find. You know, there's a lot of people named Mary, and this lady named Mary, we find it. she's in Acts, in Acts 12 where the believers gathered in her home. That's where he shows up in scripture. And, and Mark is mentioned as a companion of, of Barnabas um, um, and Paul in the first missionary journey. So you read in chapter 13, Paul is referencing something happened back then. On their first missionary journey, things got difficult, as life does. Not everybody is responding well to the gospel. And pretty soon they, they found that was some pushback. There was some opposition. And even you can look back and reference that there was demonic activity. There was spiritual battle that was going on. And it's most likely John called Mark was like, you know, he's a young guy. He's like, this is too much. And he heads home. He bails on him, basically. Paul thought, I'm not going to take a guy with me that bailed on me last time. He, I don't need to take a quitter with me on this next thing I'm going to be doing. I can't risk it. Well, Barnabas defends John Mark. Come to find out, it's, it's his cousin, right? So that, that, so they're like, there's loyalty there, and it's just like, and what happens, Scripture says, Luke writes, there was a sharp disagreement that arose. Now, I think Luke is being very honoring there, but he's being very honest as well. We look at this, and as amazing as the gospel is and how it touches lives, there's times there's going to be struggle. There's times where imperfect people, we know this, are going to collide. And there's differences of opinions and how to go about it. They all wanted to do the same thing as get the gospel out to people, but there weren't, they weren't getting along, and, and, and there needed to be some grace given, and some grace wasn't given, and there's reasons for that of, of, of of what was going on in the situation. And, and what we find, though, is even in this situation, there's some healthy things that are happening that we look at, that, that we look all through the New Testament church, that, that there's some healthy ways of dealing with conflict. It's a topic, in fact, so much brought up in Scripture that Paul later on writes about that, and you sometimes read and go, man, you should, you should practice your own preaching, Paul, what you're saying here. It could even be stemming back for this, because he knows through his own experience that sometimes we don't all get along, and we've got to work things out. And he made sure in his writing that there would not be further potential divisive things that could rise up. And we could just learn a lot from the early Christ followers of how to handle conflict in our, in our lives especially in our world today. 
we truly, over and over hearing this, of being so opposite of handling conflict, of, of being this cancer culture, cancer, cancer culture, how about cancel culture uh, today? And, and so, because we live in a society of extremes, right? You just, everything, you know, right now, if you're, I'm not a TikToker, but, but uh, I understand there's a lot, you know, there, there, there's extremes. Even if you look at things, people do things in extremes, and streams video, and, and extremes extreme ends up being outlandish and sometimes dangerous people do when we see that for in in technology and virtual reality we see people extreme well extreme sells it it, it's fascinating for people you know you you watch a commercial and 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 you see this person it's their wildest dreams are coming true and it's phenomenal and then the one person that's not using the product is is like it's it's gray screen and they're depressed and down and everything at the end of it it's a shampoo commercial you know like is that really that extreme like you know it's just you just you you, it sells though it's that that happens extreme extreme elects people you've heard this the the tension we went through in this last presidential election you know it's we're still a ptsd from that experience right but it's this radical left or the racist right and there's this demonizing and mixed characteristics of people opposite because that is how you get votes it's scare tactics extreme is where fear lives that's where it lives fear lives on the edges doesn't really in the middle and so what fear does it promotes hate and hate generates more clicks more dollars more votes that's how you if you want to enter office and win go ahead and you 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 demonize the other side that's how politics go that's how sales go that's how the world seems to be functioning our life extreme stirs people emotionally and if you can get people divided just like the social media algorithms that push people to the edges politically and socially, you push people to edges. What we found is there's no, is it civility? Is that how you say that? There's no common decency in any kind of debate any longer. To sit down and talk with somebody different than you is so opposite in the very divided culture. And let's just admit, we've been talking about this, it's, it's affected the church too. People that once could have a conversation with each other are not able to do that any longer. Somehow hate got involved. And I think a lot of it's because of fear that's taken people. And so this unstoppable movement, it is a movement, but I'm, I'm wondering the question lately is that, is, does God, with all that's happening, does God need, need to do a workaround? Does God need to go, well, you know what? I, I'm not gonna be able to fulfill my will and what I wanna do with this generation right here. I might have to wait a generation. I might have to work with a different group of people. I might have to go with a different culture, a different thing to fulfill my will because they don't seem to be getting it. Living on the extremes is not working. It's dividing, and division isn't God's will at all. What really is God's will, and we'll talk about this, is the middle, to be in the middle. Now, when we hear the middle in our extreme worlds that we live in, we go, wait a second, no, 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 middle doesn't, that's, no, that's me, we say this, the, we say it's mediocre, it's vanilla, it, it's, it's compromise, and, and when we even go, well, didn't G, doesn't Jesus even talk about that, doesn't he even say, like, you know, I, I either have, you know, want you hot or, you know, you're either hot or cold, if you're lukewarm, I'm gonna spit you out of my mouth, I mean, that's, that's, 
that's what Jesus says, right? Even, even James, the book of James, James says that he, go, he says a double-minded man, a person is unstable in all his ways. And I would say all that's true. But when we're talking about the middle, we're not talking about compromising our values. We're not talking about compromising our, our biblical convictions. What we're talking about, because those are, those are anchors for truth. We're not going to do that. But what are we talking about the middle? It's not about the rules and morality. We're talking about navigating relationship. See, in fact, this is today, I, I really firmly believe this. Living in the messy middle is God's will. I, I believe this. I, 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 could, I support, I, I, I could see it, how they worked it out in the early church, as we, we see here. Because in the middle is the pro, where the problems are in a sense of how to handle them, to come to the table, to come to the place, saying, how do we work this out? And it, it's messy. That's the challenge with it. And you, when you do that, you will get to know somebody, and you go, man, they're a mess, right? And then you, op- you look up, you turn the light on in the morning, you look in the mirror and go, wow, what a mess, right? We know people are messy. That's where things are. But in the middle, it's not about meaning in the middle, it's not about belief. It's, it's, it's about attitude. You know, I, I, we've had some new construction in our neighborhood the last few years, and, and house being built, and so it's kind of, you know, there's, we just have, like, lots of porta potties in our neighborhood we had for a while, you know, and, and so we're going along, and, and I don't know, I don't know, it seems like it's Friday, the, 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 the porta potty pumper guy would be out there, and I drove by him one day, he's got the hose, and he's pumping it, and he's smiling and waving, and God just says, I said, and I was just thinking about this, and I said, man, if the, that guy, what a great attitude he had. He has literally the crappy job. <laughs> and he's, you know, I'm like, and it, just, it, it is about attitude. It's how we approach it. I mean, talk about the messy work to do. And I, I want to say, it is messy. It's difficult. But how do we live in this messy middle? Well, I want to pull some thoughts for you from this this passage here this morning just to glean. And I, I would say this first, you can write this in your notes, that arguments are going to be inevitable, but division is a choice. Arguments, you're going to have disagreements. We, if you can't live in la-la land. You're not going to have, anytime there's two people together, you're going to have conflict. Well, for me sometimes, it's myself. I get in trouble with myself. I, I fight with myself sometimes. There's conflict always, but how we respond, division really is a choice. It says a sharp disagreement. Picture direct words. Picture some voices being raised. Sharp is sharp. It's not dull. It's not nice. It's a difficult place they were in. Real feelings were real people with real egos. Paul felt he couldn't trust this guy. John called Mark. He, he, and Bar- Barnabas is like, his literal name means son of encouragement. It's like, let's give this guy, let's give my cousin another try. Paul's going, nope, not going to do it. They, they agreed to disagree, and they moved on. There's mutual respect. We don't have evidence. Let me show later, there wasn't a lot of evidence of, of di- division in the church because of it. But the truth is, disagreements and even heated arguments, it's all about how we conduct ourselves in the middle of it. But the problem is our egos and insecurities, that are, much of it's promoted by fear, it's very, very difficult for us. Listen, you can agree to disagree without bringing damage. Is that possible? Yeah, it's how we approach it. It's our attitude about it. It's learning to fight fear. 
And especially if you're, you're married, you know, you know what that's like. And you remember the moment you, the honeymoon was over. And, and I remember, you know, as we were driving back and, you know, I realized this, you know, first fight, not the last one. And so we, we decided we need to set some ground rules. Kind of like, you know, boxers get together, you know, and, and the referee brings them. They, they're looking each other eye to eye. And they're like, okay, listen, no, you know, no sucker punches, no, no hitting below the belt. And, you know, stop when the bell rings. Okay, those were the rules, right? And so we applied our three rules. And we had one, first rule was this in our marriage was to fight fair is that we're not going to do any kind of threats. We're not going to use the D word. We're not going to go, if you know this, I'm going to. No ultimatums, we learned, rule number one. Rule number two is this, is that we're not going to name call anybody. We're not going to say, you know, you are such a blank, blank, blank. We're not going to do that. And the third one is we're not going to go to bed angry. That was, the third one was a tough one. The third one was difficult. Because the Bible says, don't let the sun go down in your anger. And, you know, and, 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 and so sometimes the sun did go down, and, but we didn't go to bed yet. And so we, we talked in wee hours in the morning. But it worked out. Did we get it all solved that night? No, because that same fight came up a year later. I thought we already covered this, right? All that to say is, it's not perfect, but you, you move into the messy middle. In a, in a marriage relationship, it, it could be it, with your coworker, it could be with a boss, it could be with a, a friend, but it's learning to do and working through what you're working through. This is what I've learned, this. The wiser you get, the more experience you have, and greater emotional maturity in our walk with Jesus, the more you see people for who they are as human beings— as opposed to figures you have to fight against. The growth and maturity and the steps you take toward that, where you come, this is not an enemy, this is just a disagreement that we're needing to work through. But it's messy. I've learned this, and my wife and I have learned this too, that any relationship can be worked out if there's enough humility on both sides of the people. I know that sounds idealistic, and you're, you're going, wait a second, wait a second. It, how those relationships are worked out is another thing, and what ends up happening of them. But think about that. If there's enough humility involved, and when it's in the center of the ring or the center of a table, or it's knee-to-knee on a couch talking it through, it really does matter. And it is the middle of God's will. Now, living in the messy middle of knowing, knowing this is this. Disagreement can lead to separate directions, but it doesn't have to sever the relationship. Disagreement can lead to separate directions, but it doesn't have to sever the relationship. Let's go back to what Scripture says. It says they had a sharp disagreement, and they parted company Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. Paul took Silas and left, commended by the believers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria, Cilicia, and strengthened the churches. Barnabas, he, he forgave John Mark's failure and gave him another chance. Paul had a, had a different view. He had a rational view. He was pioneering this new work. He needed something, someone more dedicated than he felt that John Mark was. Which one was right? Both? Neither? probably both. I mean, they, they both had their perspectives. They had opposites, and now it sounds like, well, that doesn't really, seems like that worked out too well. What actually, it actually was great benefit for the kingdom, because instead of one mission team, you ended up having two. Well, but how they, I know, but it, it's like how it worked out, but that's what happened. God, God still used both of them, even though they had disagreements in how they go about it and who they're with, they built trust with different teams that do that. See, the longer, in fact, my, we've been here, the longest every adult church life of a church has been this church. And we've seen people, if you've been here a long time, we see people, people come, people go, people pass away. We've had, you know, 
crazy stuff happening. We've had where, where people were, you know, they left on un- unhealthy ways. And then there's times where, you know, it just, there was a parting of ways that took place. And look back on where people are at now, and they're doing great work for God's kingdom. They're, they're, and I, it's, it's amazing to see that happen in the most hard, hard, difficult times. And, and yes, yeah, sometimes it is awkward seeing a person in a store that, well, we didn't, it didn't, you know, didn't, didn't end and say end well, but the relationship went two ways. But I can put my head on the pillow and go, I did all I can. I, I, I can wholeheartedly, and I think some of them as well in the relationship. I, I've learned this in recovery is you only, you're only responsible cleaning your side of the street. You can't be responsible for your neighbor and what they're doing, how they respond uh, to that. And so what means is this proximity doesn't have to affect the relationship, though it, I didn't say it affects it. It doesn't have to sever it. And one day, of course, we're going to be all back in heaven again. So here's the, here's the goal, is not to have any enemies. Now, what I mean by that is, at least they're not your enemy. They, you might be theirs. You can't control that part of it. It's, it's learning to work through it. And so what I love about Paul and Barnabas is this, is that they, they, the mission grew and God's kingdom grew. And this is what it, I love it says. It's strengthened of the churches. It wasn't just one church that got strengthened, but many churches did. Next, know this, and living in the messy middle is time and trust can allow a new perspective. Time and trust can allow a new perspective. As we read through the book of Acts and then into the rest of the New Testament, Paul, the Apostle Paul, is the one writing many of these things about, and this is how Paul's writing is in much of the epistles, is this. You're going to get doctrine in the beginning of, of, of the letter, talk about who God is, who Jesus is, you know, so sovereignty of God, the divinity of Christ. You're going to learn just the work of the Holy Spirit. You're going to learn about God, and then you're going to learn Christian living. You're going to learn about how to apply it to your life, and then a bulk of the writing in Paul, you find, is learning to get along with each other. Much of it, he talks about problems and issues. Because, why? Because people are messy, and the messiness is working through the middle of it. And so when we read as they go on, you, you kind of read this as this happening. You're like, man, Paul, you need to practice what you're writing here. It happens. And it seems like that's happening later on because we know Paul, he's a bulldog for Christ. I mean, he's zealous and he's like, man, if this guy's not going to cut it, he's out of here. I'm going with this. He got that attitude with this guy. It seems like later on he softens a little bit. I mean, he doesn't compromise his convictions. He's strong in the word as much as he has been. But we find later, though, later in his life, there's a little bit of sentimentalness to, that he has toward John Mark. And Philemon, this is what he calls John Mark. He calls him a fellow worker. I'm like, wow, Paul, that's, that's really, you know, compliment of all that happened in the past. And at the end of the life, uh, of his time and really Paul's in prison and he's in, in, in Rome he says to Timothy he says get Mark and bring him with you because he's helpful to me in my ministry obviously things must have worked out or that John Mark proved himself John Mark was a, a young kid and all of a sudden he grew in maturity and, 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 and ended up I don't know grew a beard and, and has a family and, and uh, he ends up you know, doing great things, and, and, and so here, Paul goes, he's just not one young guy over here, he's going, he's a peer, he, he, he was very helpful for me, 
John proved himself. Now, we don't read any kind of apologies. We don't read that Paul forgave him or anything like that. Maybe that's just assumed that the relationship worked out. There's no grudges or anything that's happening. Here's the thing. Time does wonders if we are all moving toward maturity in Christ. Time does not heal if you're not doing anything and growing maturity toward Jesus. It's just time can actually embitter it, make it, make it worse. And so committing to the messy mill is understanding a person's perspective, and even over time, God will reveal and understand it. What seems like a huge mountain ends up just being a speed bump at some point in our life. But that was a big mountain, and now the perspective's changed a little bit. And so all of it was we find is, which I love, it's so cool about John called Mark, is not only does Paul affirm him at the end, but he's affirmed by the entire church. Now, how do we know that? Well, guess who wrote the book of Mark? John Mark. So the entire church, why do we know the entire church? Because they put that gospel in the Bible. The early church fathers, they like, no. And it's all based on the relationship, the fact that, yeah, there was tension, there's difficulty, it got worked over time, there was a perspective going, we're all growing, we're all maturing. It toward, toward Jesus. It's a beautiful thing. I don't know. We wouldn't have that version of the gospel. It wasn't for this reconciliation that took place. Now, finally, as we get in close here toward communion, I want to encourage us with this. Lastly, and moving toward living in the messy middle is this. If for us to be people of peace when all possible, no matter the price. That's a lot of peas right there. Be people of peace with all possible, no matter the price. The end of Acts 15, what does it say? Paul chose Silas and left commended by the believers to the grace of God. Even in this sharp disagreement, there was probably enough respect going, we're going to still bless you guys. We're going to still send you out. And I love how Paul puts it this way in Romans 12. The one that had conflict, the one that worked through it and learning, now encouraging others. He says, if it is all possible, as far as it depends on you, live peace with everyone. It's all possible. If all it depends on you, do whatever you can to work on you to be able to do that. You can't trust in the other person that's going to do that. You, you offer forgiveness and grace. Will they do the same? They might not. And you know that, but you've done your part. With all possible, do that. That you went to the middle of the, the relationship, even though they don't. You understand your role? You did what you know to do. And I think that's for us to understand is this, we've seen this happen. When conflict happens, people bolt. When conflict happens, people go to the edges rather than move, move into the middle. Committed followers of Jesus run to the middle to fight for the relationship and fight for unity to happen. But it's all about meeting in the messy middle. I'm going to invite these guys to come back up as we prepare for communion. In fact, if you could do this right now, if you could go ahead and get pre-peeled your, your communion. It takes a little dexterity with your communion you have on the, on the chairs there. If you grab one, and then if you're online, we're going to just have this moment. So as we're getting ready for this and prepared, I want to move into time of response. And I want to ask this question this week. How will you move to the messy middle this week? How will you do this? Some of you are going, I see a lot of head nods. You're right, you're right. What about the relationships you have? Let's make it super practical. Because this is to say, hey, you probably have some relationships that need to come into the middle a little bit. You've been on the edge. You've avoided. You've, you've maybe, let's say, you can confess that you've 
talk bad about somebody. Uh, you, you talked around somebody rather than going to them to talk about the issue that needs to be talked about. What do mature followers of Jesus do? They, they, they take a step forward. Would that other person step? You don't know. They might. What I love about the Bible says when we step toward God, God steps toward us. So we, when we step toward Jesus, Jesus says, you know, he'll come closer to us and who, who, who he is to us and reveal himself. Draw near to God. He draws near to us. So who is that? Maybe it's your marriage. Maybe it's a kid, a coworker. You got an employee. You, you, um, you have someone, you know, that you're going, man, I need to kind of make it right. I need to have a conversation. Maybe you've been wronged and they don't know it. You don't know what you don't know. And the Lord will help you gently to, to confront them. Say, hey, what you did is, is really hurtful. What you did is not helping us. Can we, how can we talk about this? Maybe there's a disagreement. And, you know, there's times you have to agree to disagree. But remember, you're not, you don't need to compromise your values, your biblical convictions. That's not what it is. It's all about the attitude. If we could be like the, the pumper guy, he's waving, holding the hose. Smile, smiles do a lot. And it's not fakey. We're not trying to be fake. We're just saying, how can I come with all possible? Paul says, if it all depends on you. Make peace. Make peace to do that. I'm so glad I don't have to do that on my own. I'm so glad that I don't have to figure out my messy middle and where I'm at because when sometimes we feel we're in a mess, we actually have the Lord himself to help us with our mess. I remember years ago in Idaho, we had a a guy named Chase, he was a student we had, and, and, um, and it, was, it was a messy situation with him. He was a, he was a kid that uh, was taken in and, and, and cared for, and, and, uh, and I remember, and I, we think it was him, but, we, we, you know, the, the church caught on fire during church, and, and uh, he was unaccounted for. We can't really prove that he taught, caused the fire, but then found out he caused a lot of fires, and a whole, he burned down a whole neighborhood one time, and sort of like, okay, wow, okay, and then someone says, let's, I, they want to, I want to, I want to sponsor Chase to go to camp, I'm like, camp, I don't know, it's in the woods, I don't know if that's a good thing, and so I think, well, we'll just bring him to camp, you know, that was, and so I'm like, oh, praying, you know, just protection over our camp, cabins and stuff, and then we're in a chapel service, and, and our, the director comes up to me, he says, we got a problem, I'm like, oh no, there's something on fire, you know, and, and he goes, he goes, no, there's somebody took maple syrup, and they, they spilled a whole, like a whole gallon of maple syrup in the kitchen, and he goes, we got the footprints though, there's a kid here, we just have to match the footprints with it, and so the kids are having worship, and they're jumping up and down, and, and so we're looking at, we're looking at shoes, and we got that kid right there, that kid, I'm like, oh, it's Chase, you know, so we bring him out, we bring him to the kitchen, and the director says, Chase, you, you did this, right? He goes, no, I didn't do it. He goes, we got footprints. Turn your sandal over, and the footprint matched that. You did it. You're guilty kind of thing. And, and so you need to clean it up, and Dan's going to supervise you. So here we go, and he's moving as slow as the maple syrup that was poured out. Like, it's just like, and part of me was like, I want to get back there and what we're doing. And, and so I said, you know what, I'll, 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 I'll clean it up. And God just prompted me. He's like, you know what? Clean it up for him and then share with him that I'm the one that cleans people's messes up. And again, I don't want to be the hero of the story because I wanted to go get, get it cleaned up anyway. But God reminded me of my own messes, my own difficulties, even though the ones I even do and the things I didn't mean to do, we all have messes. God came 
through Christ to clean up. He came into the messy middle in our lives. He's the one. I mean, you think about it. Jesus came, and he didn't, he didn't lean toward the, the religious and follow that direction. He didn't lean toward the other direction with the, the Romans, and both wanted him dead at the end. He went down the middle. He, he took the messy middle. He chose that. And, and he hung in the middle of two thieves on the cross. More than anything, he was in the middle between a holy God and a sinful, broken world. Jesus, suspended between there, died for the messy middle. And he foreshadowed that, cleaning up that mess for us on the cross, in which he did. And I want to read this scripture this sums up the work as we go into communion as we prepare our hearts. Paul, the one, this is the guy that worked through the messy middle. He's the one that's able to say this as God inspired him. He says this, all this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was re reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he had committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God was making his appeal through us. We implore, ploy, you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God God who made him who had no sin to be sin for us so in him we might become the righteousness of God that is the work of the messy middle that Jesus did for us that we're called to do for one another this ambassadors of, of the minister of reconciliation as the body of Christ Let's get in the messy middle. Let's help, but we don't have to do it on our own. We, we have the strength and the work of the one that already did it for us. And Jesus foreshadowed that work. When he gathered with his disciples that night, he was going to be arrested and the next day crucified. He recognized what the mess that all that happened to mankind and what the sacrifice of leaning into the middle would look like of the sacrifice of his very body. He said to remember what he was going to do. He says this, this is my body that's broken. That's going to be put to death for you and for all mankind. Eat in remembrance of me. Let's do that this morning. Jesus, later on in that supper, he held up this cup. And this cup represented the the, the cup of wrath that actually was what it was for. It was the cup of suffering that he was going through. It was the, the messiest of the middle to take all of mankind's sin. Not only the physical torture that, we go, that happened on the cross, but in the messy middle, he took, became sin for us. What does scripture say? So that we become the righteousness of God. And it's through his blood to give us that forgiveness of sin. So he said that. He held up the cup. He says, this, is, this cup represents my blood for the forgiveness of sins. Drink in remembrance of me. Let's do that. Let's pray together. Lord, it's so important that we take this time like this to examine our own heart. Not only to eat and drink in this symbol of 
of what you did, Jesus, for us, to bring reconciliation between us and a, and a holy God. That we are, we're messy, and, and we, 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 there's nothing we could do to earn or, or, or anything to, to go on the mission with you, to go toward you. We, we recognize that, Lord, here today. And I pray that would be for everyone in this room, those watching, that, that you did that work. You got in the middle of our mess, and you, you cleansed our mess you, through cleansing our hearts, that we can be pure and holy in your eyes. And now, Lord, not only that we receive it with gratitude, but as filled with gratitude, now we go into the world and go into our relationships this week with this message of reconciliation as Christ, your ambassador, to move into the middle. And Lord, may we do this with your help through your Holy Spirit when we watch the news and we talk with a coworker, and when, when people try to bring division and separation, may we not be conned any longer in that. That we lean into you because you are at work in the lives of the people, even the very people that are trying to bring division. You're at work in their life. May we see them that way as you see them, as you died for them as well. Use us this week. Use us in our relationships, in our family, in our marriage, in our work, in our neighborhood, in our small group to move toward the middle. And in the middle, there's care and there's love and there's understanding. And yet, it's going to be difficult, Lord. So I pray for every relationship that comes to mind this week that we're going to face. Give us your grace. Give us the help of your Holy Spirit to guide us and direct us toward the middle. And Lord, we will leave the results to you that we trust, that we do with all we can. That if, it, if it's all possible, Lord, that we would attempt to make peace with others around because Lord, you have already made peace with us through the work of the cross, through your great salvation you provide. We love you. We thank you for that peace. May we share it, be reconcilers toward you 